you're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Here for the third time, I am ready to come to you. And I will not be a burden, for I seek not what is yours, but you. For children are not obligated to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. If I love you more, am I to be loved less? But granting that I myself did not burden you, I was crafty, you say, and got the better of you by deceit. Did I take advantage of you through any of those whom I sent to you? I urged Titus to go and sent the brother with him. Did Titus take advantage of you? Did we not act in the same spirit? Did we not take the same steps? Have you been thinking all along that we have been defending ourselves to you? It is in the sight of God that we have been speaking in Christ and all for your upbuilding, beloved. For I fear that perhaps when I come, I may find you not as I wish and that you may find me not as you wish. That perhaps there may be quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. I fear that when I come again, my God may humble me before you, and I may have to mourn over many of those who sinned earlier and have not repented of the impurity, sexual immorality, and sensuality that they have practiced. This is the third time I am coming to you. Every charge must be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. I warned those who sinned before and all the others, and I warn them now while absent, as I did when present on my second visit, that if I come again I will not spare them, since you seek proof that Christ is speaking in me. He is not weak in dealing with you, but is powerful among you. For he was crucified in weakness, but lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but in dealing with you we will live with him by the power of God. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless, indeed, you fail to meet the test. I hope you will find out that we have not failed the test. But we pray to God that you may not do wrong, not that we may appear to have met the test, but that you may do what is right, though we may seem to have failed. For we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. For we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. Your restoration is what we pray for. For this reason I write these things while I am away from you, that when I come I may not have to be severe in my use of the authority that the Lord has given me for building up and not for tearing down. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration, comfort one another, Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, as you've heard, my name's Matt, uh, and I oversee the ministry to young people across the City on a Hill movement. And it's a real pleasure to be here with you today. 
We're going to be looking at that passage. As Britt said, we're going to be finishing up in our series in 2 Corinthians. But before we do, I want to ask you a question. I want you to imagine that there's something really big, really important coming up in your life. How do you prepare for it? I thought, uh, you know, I wouldn't just ask the question, but I'd make it pseudo-scientific. And so I've assigned animals to possible responses. Because I think there are some people there that, you know, when something's big, they don't even think about it. They don't even prepare. They're like lemmings. I don't really know much about lemmings apart from a video game when I was a, a young guy. That probably dates me right there. But from what I understand about lemmings is unless you put something in their way, they just walk off a cliff. And I'm like that when someone's coming to visit. If, if that's a big or important thing, you know, last week I got a call from my wife. We're foster carers. And she said, hey, good news. You know, we've got a couple of extra kids joining us from the school holidays. I thought, Fantastic. I don't need to do anything to prepare, right? I'm just looking forward to meeting them. I would have walked straight off a cliff. <laughs> uh, as often happens with these, these children, they come with nothing. And so I'm very thankful for my wife going out and, and getting clothes and organising <clears throat> a bed for them. Some people, though, do prepare, but it takes a while. The procrastinators amongst us. I've likened them to sloths. Again, I don't know much about sloths, but I assume they get there eventually, right? And I'm like that when I have to pack bags and I'm going away. As part of my role for City on a Hill, I travel around our different churches, uh, helping out, resourcing children's and youth ministry. And sometimes that means I need to fly in a state. And I do get around to packing my bags eventually. But it's just not high on, on my to-do list. There's lemmings, there's sloths. You know, sometimes when it comes to doing something important, we might be more a tortoise. Slow and steady. I'm like that with exams. I'll get there. I know, I know they're coming. If I start now, just chip away, I'll be ready. Lemmings, sloths, tortoises. Maybe you're a squirrel. One month down in winter, but next winter's coming. Let's get onto it. We need to prepare. Perhaps the stress over something big, it really sort of shakes you from the start. Oh, I have different responses to different things. I was like that with conference, actually. <laughs> conference, where six months out, I started losing sleep. I thought, yeah, I'm going to get in here and stress early. How do you prepare? for something big that's upcoming. The reason I ask this is you might have noticed in that Bible reading that something big is coming for the Corinthian church. In verse 14, Paul says, Here for the third time I'm ready to come to you. In 13 verse 1, This is the third time I am coming to you. There's this impending visit. Paul wants them to be prepared. He wants them to get ready. Why is it such a big deal? Paul planted the church. What's so big about him coming to visit? 
Well, there's a few hints in the passage, in fact, in all of 2 Corinthians. Uh, as, as we were just reminded, we've been in this series for a couple of months now. And right back at the start, chapter 1 and 2, don't know if you remember it, Paul had promised to come and visit and then not turned up. And this had created some, some issues for the church. Paul, are you a man of your word? Are you a man of integrity? You said you'd come. Can we trust your word? This is a much-anticipated visit. And Paul says, I am coming, and this time I'll be there. Get ready. It's a much-anticipated visit. But the second reason it's a big thing to prepare for is, is there at the end of verse, oh, sorry, chapter 12, verses 20 to 21. Verse 20, for I fear that perhaps when I come, I may find you not as I wish, and that you may find me not as you wish, that perhaps there may be quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. I fear that when I come again, my God may humble me before you, and I may have to mourn over many of those who sinned earlier and have not repented of the impurity sexual immorality and sensuality they've practiced. I mean, that's quite a list, right? <laughs> Be pretty awkward, pretty, pretty embarrassing if Paul turned up and they were engaged in some of these things. And he's given them every chance to stomp out the sin. Paul planted the church in Corinth and then he wrote... A letter to them, the, the, the first letter to Corinthians that we have in our New Testament today. That book starts off, 1 verse 10. I've heard some stories, guys. There's some rumors on the streets. There's worrying things happening in your church. And if you read the book of 1 Corinthians, he goes to outline some of them. Believers suing other Christians. Someone is sleeping with their stepmom. Others are not sleeping with their wives, but with prostitutes, because that's better, right? He, what are you doing, he says to these people. Some even don't believe in the resurrection. I mean, that's pretty core to what we believe. The reason he didn't come to visit them last time is he... He wrote them a letter instead. He said, I wanted to spare you a painful visit. Sort your stuff out. Stomp out the sin. 2 Corinthians 7, they, they were offended by this letter. They got indignant. But have they done anything? <laughs> Paul says, I'm worried that when I come... I'm not going to find you as I wish, and you might not find me as you wish. There was that verse towards the end there. I've got authority from the Lord Jesus Christ as his representative. And that's the third reason it's going to be an important visit. He might have to bang some heads together. 13 verse 1. This is the third time I'm coming to you. Every charge must be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. I warned those who sinned before and all the others, and I warned them now while absent, just as I did when present on my second visit, that if I come again, I will not spare them. Uh, that's pretty ominous words, right? <laughs> Everything 
needs to be established with a couple of witnesses. I've written you one letter. It stands as a witness. I've written you another letter. It's also going to testify against you. Are you prepared for me to come? Because I will deal with the sin if you haven't. Pretty, pretty ominous words. <laughs> An impending visit. But you might say, well, so what? <laughs> Some guy a long time ago was going to go visit a church. I don't even know if it exists today. Well, what does this have to do with us? Well, as I was reflecting on these things and reading them, it struck me that, of course, we have an impending visit also. Not from the Apostle Paul, but from the Lord Jesus Christ. He is coming. Now, we know that as Christians, but it's much anticipated, or let's just say much delayed, if we're honest. <laughs> it's been 2,000 years. where We're hardly probably squirrels. How do I prepare? What do I do? We're probably at the other end of the spectrum where we're thinking, I'll plunge off that cliff when it comes, or you know, I'll deal with that last minute. We'll get there. When Jesus comes, I'll read the signs. Then I'll prepare. But we're encouraged in Scripture to be tortoises, to, to be slow and steady, to, to work on it, to get ready, like Paul is saying to the Corinthian church. How do we do that? How do we prepare ourselves for Jesus Christ, the Lord of all, and his impending return? Well, Paul's got some advice. It's an invitation there in chapter 13, verse 5. And Paul picked up on that in our service leading. It's a great verse. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. There's a test we can do. There's an examination that we can use to get ready. Now, chances are most of us here are not too, fan, you know, too much a fan of exams or tests. I'm sort of done with those mostly for the moment. I'm getting older, so I know I've probably got some medical tests and exams coming up at some point. But most of us are probably not overly enthusiastic about doing regular exams or tests. But Paul is saying to the Corinthian church... Here's a way you can get ready. Examine yourselves. Is there sin you need to deal with? Examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. That is, if you hold together the teaching that I've passed on to you. Are you trusting Jesus? And so in the spirit of uh, pseudo-scientific Quizzes, tests, exams. Let me give you another one. We've been looking at the book of 2 Corinthians now for 11 weeks. What's your favourite part been? Well, we had a pre-service meeting and the question was asked of us there. Well, what, what have you learnt? What have you enjoyed? Is there something? I hope there is. Well, let's go a little bit deeper. A bit harder, we've got to go, you know, up the ante for this exam. As we've looked at 2 Corinthians, we're at the end of it. 
How much do you remember it, apart from your favorite bit that stuck out to you? 2 Corinthians 3. Anyone remember what that was about? <laughs> that was a couple of months ago. Uh, 2 Corinthians 6, 2 Corinthians 10. That was only a couple of weeks ago. Can we remember? Well, it doesn't really matter at one level, does it? I mean, that's not the exam. That's not the test the Apostle Paul is talking about here. He's not going to turn up to the Corinthians and say, okay, I wrote you a letter. Do you remember, I don't know, paragraph 15, word two, what did I say? I mean, that that would be ludicrous, right? He's actually going to do a harder test. What have you done based upon what you've learned? What's changed And that, I think, is a much harder question perhaps for us to answer as well, isn't it? Uh, Because I often work in the next generation area, I spend a lot of time over the years at school. And at school, they have these really helpful things in lesson plans, lesson preparations. It's called educational outcomes. You've got the big idea there. Here's what we want to teach. Here's what the lesson is going to communicate. But the educational outcomes are, here's how the students can demonstrate how they can show that they've learnt, understood, and comprehended the main point. I've asked this question a couple of times over the couple of weeks. But how would you go if we held ourselves to that same standard? Two months of 2 Corinthians. Can we remember what it's been about? Can we point to something in our lives that's different? A sin we've dealt with as a result. Paul wants to see real change before his visit. How much more do we want to when Christ returns? I mean, it would be embarrassing if Paul turned up to the Corinthian church and there was some of those things still happening. Anger, hostility, slander, gossip. How much worse is it going to be when the Holy Son of God turns up and we're doing the same thing? It'll be more than embarrassing. Does it make you anxious? Worried? Fearful? Well, as Paul said when he opened up the service, it shouldn't. Because there is great news in this passage that all of us need to hear. We need to feel the weight of it. Just as Paul was coming... And the Corinthians needed to get ready, prepare well. So Christ is coming and we need to do the same. If you do have anxiety, stress or fear, make sure you hear what comes next. Sign up for Alpha if you have questions about it. How do I get ready? Because there's some great news coming. Months ago... 
this sermon series was pulled together. And if you notice the sermon title, it's a pastoral plea. Pastoral is something caring. And Paul, uh, as I fill in the gaps in this passage, cares deeply for these Corinthians. And so he has three inspiring motivations for them. Three things that are meant to inspire them, that are meant to motivate them, that are meant to get rid of that anxiety and that fear and help them to see that they will be okay if they trust in Jesus when he returns. What are these three things? Well, our our reading started in verse 14, which I've mentioned. Here for the third time, I'm ready to come to you. But then he goes on. Let's keep reading. I will not be a burden, for I seek not what is yours, but you. For children are not obligated to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. I will most gladly spend and be spent for your soul's If I love you more, am I to be loved less? What Paul is talking about there is when he's come to visit before, he's done his ministry free of charge. He's he's worked during the days making tents. And and what he's needed, the Macedonian churches, we we heard in chapters 8 and 9, have supplied what else he needs. And Paul's trying to, therefore, sort of console and comfort the Corinthians before he comes to visit. He says, hey, don't worry. I don't want to be a burden. I'm not coming with a bill. (laughs) Services rendered. Here's your outstanding invoice. He says, no, I see myself as your parent. And as we know, in good parents, they delight to give themselves for their children. As he says here, cost of living is going up today. I I realise that. I'm the one who saves. I don't make my four-year-old twins start to stress about that. We give ourselves for our children. Uh, Yesterday, I went for a drive with my family. I've been on annual leave, and it was sort of our last day of school holidays where I've been off. And everyone was joking in the car about how nothing in the fridge ever belongs to dad. Sure, there's food I love, but others inevitably get a hold of it and taste it, and off it goes. Who cares? It's food. Paul says, I will spend myself for you. And I can't read those words and not think about our Father in heaven, who took our burdens who loved us so much that he sent his only son who spent himself for us at great cost to himself. I'm happy to go without food. I mean, it's just yogurt or custard for my children. Jesus Christ, as we heard in chapter 8, gave everything and became poor so that we might become rich. The love of our Father is such that He has paid the cost. He hasn't said, save up for me, get all your good deeds and try and impress me when you face that final exam. No, no, He has said, I will use my incomparable might as the God of all and I will save you. 
We need to prepare well for that day. But that's what it means to trust in Christ Jesus, the one who gave himself for us. The second inspiring motivation. That's what's happened in the past. What's, what's happening in the, in the future? Well, in chapter 13, where we said, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. We're in verse 5. Test yourselves. Again, the verse keeps going. Or do you not realize this about yourselves? Jesus Christ is in you. Aren't they beautiful words? The holy, pure, righteous, perfect Son of God dwells in us. I might not see the changes. Sometimes I struggle to see how I am being transformed to be more like Jesus. But he is in me. And he will do it. I think that's somewhat behind what Paul is talking about there in the preceding verse, 13 verse 4. He's talking about Jesus. For he was crucified in weakness, but he lives by the power of God. Paul takes us back to Jesus' death and resurrection. Jesus died and lives. He was raised by the mighty power of God. What does he do with this? Well, the verse continues, For we also are weak in him, but in dealing with you, we will live with him by the power of God. Christ is in us. The resurrection power that raised him from the dead is raising me from the dead. He can do the same in you. The past, the love of the Father sent the Son to save us, to spend himself for us. The present, Jesus lives in us now. And there's also the future. Paul goes on in in the last bit there of chapter 13 to share his prayer for the Corinthian church. And I'm not going to draw all of it together. I just want us to look at the last little bit of verse 9. Your restoration is what we pray for. Your restoration is what we pray for. That's, that's looking to the future. Paul's saying, we're, we're weak now. We're broken. But one day we'll be restored. In this series, our, our sort of backdrop has been that broken clay jar. We might look back and think, how will we go on that day? The final exam. What change is there now that gives me hope for then? Well, it's there in verse (laughs) 9. We are broken. But we will be restored. That golden glue (laughs) that we see on the screen, that's the Holy Spirit in us. Fixing what's broken. Mending what needs to be restored. Sometimes this verse is translated not as restored, but as complete or perfect, depending on the translation you look at. We need to hear that when our final exam comes, when Christ returns, 
Our saviour is our judge. And we'll be ready. The Holy Spirit will make us complete on that day. Perfect on that day. Or in words elsewhere in the New Testament, we will be blameless, pure, without fault or blemish. That's so hard to see at times, isn't it? But that is our future. And so Paul says in verse 11, finally, brothers, then rejoice. Aim for restoration. That's our future. We're going to get there. Christ will complete us. Just as he finished his work on the cross, he will finish the work that he's doing in us. And that is why Paul can end with some of the most encouraging words in the New Testament. Words that Christians have been encouraging one another with for centuries. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, his, his undeserved kindness that he would dwell in us. May you take that with you into the week ahead. May the love of God, our, our Father in heaven who spent himself, used all his resources to save us. May that be with you in your life ahead. And may the fellowship or partnership of the Holy Spirit be with you all. He will complete the work. So let's start working towards it. Let's encourage one another with these words as they remain on the screen. We're going to say what's known as the grace together. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let me give thanks. Our dear Father in heaven, Thank you that we have been warned, as Paul warned the Corinthians, that Christ will come. Help us to examine ourselves and prepare well for his return. And may we do this remembering that in your love, you sent Christ to die for our sins. Jesus himself lives within us and we live by his power, the resurrection power. Help us keep our eyes on that day when we will be restored, perfect and complete through your Holy Spirit. And may we walk with him each day in the week ahead. Lord, strengthen us and fill us with joy because of these things. We ask this in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.